Hello, Miriam. Hello, hello. It's nice to see you again. It's nice to see you too. I love the fact that we're doing this uh, in the evening once. This is very nice. The 7 a.m. recording uh, was productive, but I felt like we, some of us might have fallen asleep while recording it. <laughs> Nobody listened to it. That's fine. It's fair. Exactly. We're just talking to ourselves anyway. Anyways, right? <laughs> so it takes away a little bit of the pressure. I kind of, I kind of like it. Whatever. Fine. Then we keep going. <laughs> All right. I think we we should start right away. I think uh, for people who are listening in for the first time, Misha and I speak about hospitality news that have happened um, the week before, and also what has happened in the world. We also love to talk about some academia from hospitality. And at the end, we like to recommend some books or readings or YouTube channels or things like that, that we think everybody should read or listen to or watch on YouTube. Yes. 100%. <laughs> so let's start. I think one of the very interesting topics, um, if somebody is in the hospitality industry, in the real estate department section, whatever, um, the big topic is offices are closing and do they become hotels and i think this week or last week in skiff there was this one article especially about the united states where they say that they were closing about 30 to 40 percent of all the offices and there is this section that the mayor of new york is asking all the big firms to bring their people back because they have lost 12 billion spending um from the worker downtown um around wall street so actually people not going into the offices anymore has had such a big impact on on the neighborhoods mish what do you what do you think i i i've heard this before right it's i think it's this news is kind of resonating across a lot of yeah, of course you have right no 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 in a sense sorry i, I meant um <laughs> yeah i'm almighty knowing uh, news <laughs> newsman i have heard everything no one <laughs> is i think me and you both have, both have mm. heard from colleagues and ex-colleagues that this is kind of a thing right it's mm. not new except it showed up in skift this week um the the fact is and i think these two things are connected it, it only works if there's actually enough demand for people to start traveling more right so Yes, office spaces are not needed anymore, but it doesn't mean you can just put a hotel on it and everything is going to be great, right? If if we, if we could just put hotels in everything we could and make a million bucks while we're at it, I think it would be a bit too easy, right? Markets have a certain equilibrium in them. And what the, what the article itself was talking about, which was, I mean, interesting to me, but I don't think they have, you know, this, it's not extremely factual yet, it's an assumption, is that because people are staying in at home more, they also do a lot more work, you know, the term called vocation. So they travel and work. So they book an Airbnb somewhere, a cool place, while they actually work there. Um, so maybe if those two things go hand in hand, yes, makes sense. But otherwise, I feel like those spaces might just be empty for the next 20 years. Mm, no, I, I I disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, maybe I somehow, but I think it's always the market asks for it right so let's say there are less people working downtown new york meaning land like real estate owners will get more money to build hotels because the demand is higher 
for for travelers, right? So actually, if let's say your lease stopped or your lease has run out after 20 years, you need to decide, do I either make offices or do I transfer the permit into a hotel? And if the demand is high for hotels or travelers, um, they will just build hotels. I'm sure if you allow developers to do what they want, we would just be covered by casinos left and right and up and center. <laughs> but, but it could also be there could be also an element involved of politics, right? Yes, uh, right. Pro- pro- probably the governments of the world would say, "Oh, look, there's thirty percent of space available. Why don't we actually allow residential to go in there?" Maybe you know because we've also heard of the the crisis of the lack of living space and gentrification and all those wonderful things that everybody likes to hear. Yeah, fair point. So, good, good so maybe. Point. Maybe it would be a bit more. We'll see. Uh, to me, honest, as, as we love to talk about this in our famous podcast, uh, time will tell. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's interesting to talk about. And another interesting fact that is in that article or that I read and I thought it was cool is that because people travel less to work, they're investing more in their neighborhoods. And actually, like residential areas are becoming more lively because people spend more time there because they're not commuting every day. Um, which I find very nice. What I think could be pretty good is to actually find some countries that already live like this um, outside of the corona trend, outside of the office conversion to hotels. To me, that would perfect example would be Holland. I don't know if you have ever been, but if you go to Utrecht uh-huh. or, or Hilversum or whatever city, let's say Rotterdam, right? The, the country itself is tiny, but everybody cycles everywhere because everyone lives within the reach of a bicycle and the infrastructure is great, right? So people are spending a lot of money locally. People are living there. So it's kind of the, the perfect example of what you're saying. Um, and quite honestly, to me, being in Holland, having been to Holland quite a few times, it's one of the most livable spaces that I've ever been to. One of the most human-friendly spaces. Mm, it's definitely beautiful. That's for sure. The fact that you can go by bike everywhere is really nice. A dream of a hippie come true. <laughs> I got my Siri turned on all the time. Sorry. I've turned it off. No, no. Sorry. Coming back to us. All right. I think, I mean, for us, the office space, I just find it really interesting. I agreed. Agreed. I think I think this is a pretty interesting piece of news. What we can definitely both agree on, I think, is the fact that things are changing, right? And a lot of different real estate is going to be converted to something else, mm. which is a good thing. The world is adaptable, and things new things are coming. Yes, but I just had a very interesting um, conversation last week where we were speaking to real estate developer, and they said still in downtown top locations, they're still getting more revenue from offices than for hotels. Maybe it's one of those, right? That's why we say equilibrium, right? It's an adaptation of space. Perhaps one doesn't want to have or need an office space. And I don't want to swear here, right? But uh, far away, somewhere where the light doesn't shine, let's put it this way. Uh, But at the same time, for a company like Deloitte or whoever, it probably is a topic of prestige to have an office in the city center. And it's a pleasant experience as well, right? Mm. I think having an office space with the view of of the city definitely inspires right so perhaps certain places will definitely still have office spaces but others far away from human civilization perhaps will be converted to something else Mm. let's see let's see okay let's move on to our next tourism topic that we found on skift again we already talked about it a little bit last 
week and it's about India, how India is rising um, in the tourism industry. And this news this week, it says India is developing 50 new destinations, which goes exactly with what we have said um, last week. Also, and, and like, how are they doing that? And, and what's the impact? What, what's your point on that? If you read the article, the 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 PR <laughs> release, <laughs> not you, not you, Miriam, our wonderful listeners. <laughs> Thank you for referring to. Are you are you calling our listeners ignorant? No, I'm sure they read all the articles. With I was like, about. are you are you calling me ignorant? Uh, not this time. Next time. Next. Sometimes. But but, but basically, I think. Um, if if you read right, if you read the article and if you hear to what what the 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 I think it's called the tourism minister of India, right? Exactly yeah. saying is that they're just gonna allow for uh, or to promote more airline uh, routes. So basically, um, allow for you know or promote more airlines to fly from specific destinations uh, that perhaps have been not been as developed before. They're gonna provide financing to different. Um, developers and they're going to promote growth, right? And, um, it sounds a bit like kind of like a, a big brother, not a big brother situation, right? But a bit uh, communist-like, right? So we're going to just open up 50 cities, we're going to build hotels there and people are going to go in. So it felt a bit too simple for me, but perhaps that is what is needed. I mean, and, and a lot of, uh, we talked about it, I think a few times before as well, right? A lot of countries before the way they grew is by promoting very targeted uh, financing rounds. So mm. they would say, okay, in this city, if you order a hotel, we now have a finance or a loan available for almost 0%. Anybody who has developed hotels before, please come in and we'll give you a shit ton of money and you can do whatever you want with it as long as you develop a hotel. Mm. And then the rest comes, right? Uh, the people come, the jobs come. Mm. We- and I mean, that sounds great on paper, perhaps. And, you know, what we talked about about India last week is India has a lot of potential. But also, I mean, if we're being a bit critical here, India is famous for corruption, as a few other countries are, but India definitely is one of them. And that corruption can probably slow down that particular 50 destinations growth. Maybe a bit of money uh, that was supposed to go to a hotel or perhaps go to somebody's private villa uh, in Macau or something. I, I actually don't know know much about that, but I guess I just to be honest when I read the article I wanted to know like we we I know we spoke about it last week but I wanted to know why it like why they also focused on that so much and I I saw that um, their tourism arrivals have grown about three hundred and five percent from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two so. Do you have an idea why there was already so much tourism? Do you think it's because they have started promoting um, their growth and becoming like... I mean, first of all, if you compare 2021, 2021 and 2022, those are corona periods, right? So, uh, um, first of, <laughs> And second of all, I'm sure India wasn't anywhere close to places like Paris or us so growing from stone age into middle middle ages uh well on paper percentage wise might look impressive in mm. absolute values perhaps not now yeah. i haven't i haven't seen the numbers myself but i would assume maybe that's why the percentage is so big yeah that's true and i, I forgot the corona. i mean mallorca has a, i think about 1 million to 1.2 million visitors over the whole year 
So 1.5 million is very little, but it was during Corona. So, okay. All right. Fair point. Fair. <laughs> I guess next news. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> I think. <laughs> okay. The next news is called When Nature and Tourism Clashed. And it's about um, the controversial train um, route through Yucatan, the peninsula um, in Mexico. Um, how that has gotten some pushback um, from, like, how do you say? The local population and yeah. environmental. Environmental. Environment, environmentalists, I think you call them. Exactly. That was the. That was the. I thought, you, I thought you were one of them. Uh, you should know your own kind. I mean, yes, I just didn't know it in English. I I, I am for the environment. I am. There you go. I mean, well, now, now, now you know, environmentalist. You could call yourself an environmentalist. <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah, what do you, I think, I mean, I have been traveling through Mexico in these little, like, colectivos where you have to, like, I don't know, like, lift your hand and, like, say that you want to have a, get a ride in a little bus and it just felt also adventurous to, like, travel through Mexico, if there's going to be a train, I think tourism can be streamlined much, much more to to what it already is. I think there is still Mexico, at least a few years ago, was so beautiful because you couldn't reach everywhere, everywhere very easily. That gave it this like true local experience, I think. Um, so, yeah. As an adventurer myself as well. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? You, you, you go through Latin America or a few other countries around the world, right? India or China, and you have that experience that is different from, let's say, the Western world, right? Yeah. You, but um, I mean, that's a, maybe that's exactly the point. Um, I would imagine Germany was, I mean, Germany was similar to that at some point, right? Even probably 100 years ago, I doubt there was an IC train from Berlin to Munich for four hours or a train from Lyon to Paris for, you know, for, for two hours. To Paris, exactly. Paris? <laughs> and it was all, you know, acclimatized and you could buy a sandwich and uh, somebody would check your ticket and you would feel great. Um, but somehow that came about, right? And probably a lot of woods, a lot of villages, a lot of, <laughs> living stock disappeared because of those so and we all talk you know from from europe complaining perhaps a lot of the environmentalists that are there protecting this wonderful route are maybe not even locals i'm sure i'm sure the majority are mexican but some of the europeans you know they come from europe and they complain how mexico is developing their train <laughs> train railways well somebody did it in germany right so um at some point it needs to be done Infrastructure is definitely a play, thing that is important for tourism, for economy as well, right? It's not only tourism. Okay. I mean, I'm sure the people who live in Yucatan, right? I, I, I don't know about Yucatan specifically, but I've been to a few very remote places, and mm. the people who live there didn't look. They, they. It sounded cool on paper to live six hours away from the nearest hospital, mm. but when somebody gets ill. And there is nothing. There's no infrastructure. There's nothing. You would definitely want to have that train that will get you there in one hour and maybe save lives. That's for sure. And I mean, for economic, like for economic reason, right, it makes a lot of sense. I think it will just, it will increase the amount of tourism. It will streamline tourism. Um, you know, we might have, I don't know, Masunte will become 
the next um what's it called what's the famous place called in mexico i'm like bro everybody the next but the next penny dorm <laughs> <laughs> that's not it I know it isn't, but you know, Cancun. comparing. Ah, Cancun, the next Cancun. All right, got it. Now we can move on to the next news, and it is big news because bubble Bob W. Bubble W. Um, Bob W. has bought Charlie Group, which is a German enterprise, and with this acquisition, they're entering the German market. So bubble. Bubble you. <laughs> Bob W is um, growing rapidly in Germany. So why should I? I guess the question is, um, why should our listeners care? Right? There's so many different um, chains out there doing different things and trying to grow in different places, and um, often it, I think it seems a little bit irrelevant because yeah, if somebody at some point bought something probably last week, uh, why should I care? Um, to me, when I read this initially, that was my thinking. And then I looked up Bob W a little bit. Um, and apparently they are one of those players right now that have, they're putting a lot of money up front to try to grow um, a self-reception hotel chain on the market or more specifically apartment living. And um, they are independent, and uh, they come from a place, or from a from a from from Finland actually, where companies tend to just tend to do really well, right? For example, Volt initially was Finnish, they grew right crazy, went in markets that nobody else did, and then sold for forty billion. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm not saying Bob W is that, but it's definitely a, a splash. It's not a. It's just not. It's not a small splash. It's more like a, a pretty big storm, I would say, in in the world of. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm. I think. I I think if you're in a hospitality business, I think it is very interesting to understand which company is bought by which company, right? I think market consolidation is one of the biggest growth strategy of any hospitality business. If we look at Marriott, Accor, and Hilton, and all the other big ones, so I think I. I think it, for me it's very interesting, yeah, because it was a digitalized uh, self-reception apartments, and I think there are about four or five on the market right now, at least uh, here in Europe, and that they already start consolidating. I think it's it's very interesting. Um, and in, in the market where the money money is very expensive, right? Mm -hmm. So even though loans are super expensive and everybody seems to be panicking about banks collapsing mm. um some are buying up companies and growing like crazy exactly cool Let's well see. that's i think on that note we can close the the topic of hospitality news this week yes. and from here we move on to externalities what happened in the world uh that maybe is not super directly specific to, to our specific industry, but nonetheless can impact us directly or indirectly mm. in interesting ways. So, Miriam. Yeah, no, but you wanted to talk about the inflation again because we talked about it last week and there's been kind of events have been coming up again. Yes, that was indeed the, the title of our newsletter this week. Uh, you, you can check out leprity.substack.com. But um, um, 
I think it was a very interesting article for me because it uh, showed that inflation is a bit more complicated than people think of. It's not just we have a lot of money. Wait, who therefore... thinks inflation is not complicated? I think a lot of people don't understand what it is at all. So for them, it's just, well, things are going to get more expensive, right? That's all that it means. Somebody says inflation, they mean, they're thinking, okay, my sandwich is going to be three years more expensive. So maybe I should buy the other one that's a bit more cheaper. Exactly. But Right, but that's my point. People are it is perhaps ignoring inflation as a topic that I think is super relevant because it's, while it is so, it, 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 there's so many variables that it can impact it that... Um, by just downsizing the problem to something as prices are going up is ignoring everything else that's happening in the world and therefore not attributing, to, let's say, for example, the Ukrainian war to inflation. And that's indeed part of the news this week, that while in the United States, the inflation has been dropping after they've hiked the interest rates. For those who don't understand, basically, uh, at its core, the reason for inflation uh, this year is because a lot of governments, governments around the world have printed a lot of money, issued a lot of money, a lot of cheap loans to keep the economy floating during the corona period. So as a result, there was a lot of money on the market. A lot of people were spending. Therefore, the demand grew while the supply stayed the same. And so the prices went up. Econ 101. Uh, now, after this, this is where it gets a bit more complicated. Basically, what happened after that is... Now, in uh, the Federal Reserve, an entity in the United States that controls interest rates, that issues actually money to banks, so there's an actual entity that loans money to banks, has decided that, well, well, a while back, as we've discussed, has decided, no, we're going to hike up the interest rates to make sure that the inflation stops and starts going down because a certain amount of inflation is unhealthy. It basically brings the prices so high that people are no longer able to pay for things while the salaries are actually stagnating in real terms. So while you know technically there is more money in the market, it's not being distributed equally and uh, people are losing jobs, companies are going out of business and so on and so forth. So that's why the Federal Reserve wanted to bring the, the interest rates lower. Right, And that's what they did. They simply made the money more expensive and inflation is going down, even though banks are collapsing. But that's what you call readjustment of Wait, the market. They brought the interest rates up, right? Sorry, they, they brought the interest rate up. Uh, sorry. Right. And then the inflation went down. Now, in Germany, in Germany and in Europe as a whole, uh, the European Central Bank, the alternative to Federal Reserve in the United States, did the same. However, the inflation hasn't really gone down as much as it has in the United States. And the reason for that is because inflation is actually based in, in Europe, not only on the fact that people printed a lot of money, specifically European Central Bank, but also that there isn't, there's an actual war going on and the, the supply relationship is also under risk. So inflation doesn't go up and down only because of, let's say, you know, cheap money on the market. It can also go, for example, up or the prices for things can go up because, let's say, um, the supplier of flour... 80% of flour for Europe came from Ukraine and Russia, and now they just don't supply anything. So the supply dropped significantly while the demand stayed more or less the same, and so the prices went up. And so this is actually a complete other side of things that's happening, going on in Europe right now, which is very, I think, extremely important for everybody who's listening, because effectively, while the European Central Bank is bringing interest rates up, what is happening is Ukraine war is still there, and the supply story of things is still completely disturbed. There is no gas supply, no oil supply, flour, food, whatever, right? Whatever things we, we used to import from Russia. And so as a result, European Central Bank is now in the position to, to 
in a very uncomfortable position because whatever they do, they're not actually impacting one of the main causes for inflation in Europe itself as well, which is a very worrying thing. And I think it also helps us understand how inflation works because when you just talk about it in form of US, it might be easy to understand or maybe not so much. But then when you actually contrast it to Europe, I think that's when you really start to comprehend the fact that inflation is much more complicated than just prices going up. I love how you can just explain things. Thank you. Did that make, did that make sense? Yes. It makes <laughs> okay. a lot of sense. And I'm very grateful for that recap because you understand all of it in economics class. So thank you. Anytime. Uh, let's I hope know. everybody else understood remember, as well. Remember when we were driving together to Sexische Schweiz and you were explaining me everything about, about electricity? <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yes. Love it. All right. Now, your favorite topic. We're going to talk about academia. Mish loves to read academic papers. So, turnover rates versus state of economy in hospitality. For those of you who are not seeing the recording of Miriam, <laughs> she just made a, a cringe face while she was saying that. So, it's definitely her favorite section of this podcast. I just think academic papers are so... But let's let's rephrase this a little bit. I mean, don't you care about the churn rate in hospitality? It's our industry. It's where we work, yet it's one of the most uncomfortable places to work for people. I do, but I think... I, if it comes in form of an academic paper, it just doesn't look so attractive to me. Is that like a... That makes sense, but... A lot of things might not be as attractive, but you still have to take care of it. Broccoli doesn't look so attractive. Right. I mean, it's... some people would say broccoli doesn't look good, but you should eat it, right? That's what they say. It looks great. I, I mean, okay, fine. Uh, it's I all take after broccoli good. over an academic paper any day. <laughs> then I think we found your weak spot, <laughs> broccoli. Um, no, to jokes aside. Um, to me, churn in hospitality was always a thing. Actually, mm. one of the first things I ever decided to write and publish was uh, why there is such a high turn rate in hospitality. I don't know, mm. 10 years ago, maybe. And um, this new, recently released, literally a few days, academic paper basically looked at the, the state of the economy and different churn rates in different industries. Mm. So far, so good, right? Um, basically... We can say that, you know, the economy was doing well, then it dropped, and now it's kind of even dropping lower and lower and lower and lower. And what, what was observed, now this is the important thing, nobody knows why, it's just an observation, but it's, it's an observation that was tracked and it now can be called a correlation. There's that um, turnover in hospitality industry is, while, while it is one of the highest, it actually goes down while everybody else's turnover goes up. So in academic turmoil, uh, in, sorry, in economic turmoil, um, there are certain situations where there is high churn in other industries. Mm. Uh, let's say, and churn, right, it, it, the, the paper didn't specify if the person was fired, if the person was um, um, kept on board, or they, they quit the job themselves. It just, you know, churn, turnover. right? pretty simple right there's no there was no you know in-depth look at turnover for reasons but just the fact that the simple percentage and while the rest of the economy right now has a really high well is the turnover is going up 
in hospitality, it actually has gone down. So, I mean, why? Then that's to me the most important question here because the paper they go they go into a bunch of theories, right? But after after the let's say the research they have done, they just do hypotheses as to why, but they don't know why. Okay, and what is one of the hypotheses, for example? Uh, one of the hypotheses is pretty straightforward, but you know, take it with a grain of salt, and that is in hospitality. Um, simply, uh, simply put, people go work at restaurants. When, when things are tough and when things are tough as well, they are less likely to quit their shitty job. Mm. Got so, it. So there is less, if there is less other things on the market or less other jobs, um, hospitality in comparison seems like a better option. It's a backup option that you can always find, right? If, if any of us lose the, lose our jobs, if our economy goes bankrupt, we can always find a job as a waiter, as a hotel receptionist, no matter level of experience. Mm. Because those things are always out there, and they always somebody needs to cover them. ChatGPT currently, unfortunately, doesn't wait tables. At least yeah, not yet. Yeah, but uh, receptions are not going to be forever. Be... Some say, some say. I've heard of that before. Some yes. Say, some say. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I think it's an interesting fact that it's like, can you say negatively correlated to um, exactly market? Yeah movement specifically it is um the correlation they found is between um all other industries turnover rate going up hospitality turnover rate going down so to me it's um it's a pretty important observation to to our industry that perhaps is not very positive very good paper i think everybody should read it quite honestly miriam and that's an advice not only for you but our listeners as well if you have tough times reading uh, scientific newspapers, you just read the abstract. That's basically the summary of the entire newspaper, uh, of the entire not newspaper, scientific paper in one paragraph. Yes. I'll and if that. you still don't understand the abstract, the the abstract, then you can go into depth. And that's when it becomes really nitty gritty and very boring, as indeed. No, I mean somebody worked hard on it, so that definitely needs to be valued. All right, I think. We have covered all the news from last week. This was fun. I think we, yes, should, I think we should keep it in the evenings. I, I think that was fun. I agree. I mean, I mean whatever works for <laughs> for real life ex- <laughs> experiences, right? If we can, if we cannot. Whatever it is, I feel, I think the week was uh, pretty interesting. And for me, it's very, I think it becomes more and more interesting to really follow up on on the things that are happening last week because it's kind of a build-up, right? Yeah, and I feel I start understanding more and more what's happening in the in the industry and in the world. So thank you for that conversation. Thank you to Miriam for asking all the questions that other people wouldn't. <laughs> I will keep on doing that. All right, sleep well. And you too. Have a nice day or sleep well or whatever, wherever, what time it is and- <laughs> for our dear listeners that yes. <laughs> with the exact count of zero um, yep thank you very much and I guess we'll see you guys next week bye bye bye